This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Well, how many are you glad you're in church today? Yes. Uh, come on. I tell you what, glory to God. Jesus is coming again. So that just means you and I need to get ready for him. Amen. How many of you are ready? You know, the Bible says, for those that look for him, he's going to appear the second time, a second time. You know, a lot of times my wife and I will be on a motorcycle or maybe out for a ride or whatever, and, and uh, she'll mention something, and I say, well, I missed that. I mean, I didn't see it. I wasn't, uh, yeah, I was, had my mind somewhere else, so I missed whatever it was that she was making reference to. And so uh, we don't want to miss this. I said, we don't want to miss this. Huh? Well, now I was gawking down, you know, I was looking over here somewhere and missed the whole thing. You don't want to do that. Praise God. So we'll talk a little bit about that as we move forward in uh, some of the things I want to share with you today. Um, but I want to start, we're going to do things a little different. Is that all right with you? Good. Praise God. We're going to start uh, by receiving our morning offering. Hallelujah. You say, well, we don't usually do that. Well, we are today. I said we're going to do something different, okay? So anyway, I want to read a verse of Scripture that I know that you are familiar with. And uh, uh, out of Malachi chapter 3. You know, sometimes we just need to read the Word. We just need to hear what the Word of the Lord is, what the Bible, you know, is saying. And this is what the Bible says. Praise God. In verse 6, he said, For I am the Lord, I change not. Aren't you glad for that this morning? God doesn't change. Hallelujah. Amen. And he goes on here in verse 8, he asks a question. He says, will a man rob God? And yet you have robbed me, and you say, wherein have we robbed you? And he said, in tithes and offerings. You know, there was an ordinance that was given to Israel that they were to bring their tithes and offerings into the storehouse. And they stopped doing it. You know, they just stopped the practice. Um, I don't know necessarily what what it was that precipitated all of that. Uh, how many of you have been doing things and then all of a sudden you're not doing them anymore? I mean, it's kind of human nature, I guess, a little bit. So he calls them on it and uh, just asks them to stop robbing him. You know, we don't really think about robbing God, do we? I mean, I don't know that that's necessarily within the context of our thinking, but yet that's exactly what God said that these people were doing. So in the context of that, then he said, because of that, that you have not been doing this, you are cursed with a curse. Well, guess what? I don't want to be cursed. Amen. I like being blessed. Praise God. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law being made a curse for us. But he said, you're cursed with a curse because you have robbed me, even this whole nation. Hallelujah. You know, just because the rest of the world's going down the toilet doesn't mean you need to. Did you hear me? That might be a little bit crude, but yeah, it's what came out. So that's, you know, just because people jump off a cliff doesn't mean you have to. Huh? Praise God. You know, uh, we're swimming upstream. Did you, you know that, don't you? When my wife and I first got married, um, God gave me a dream about us. And... Um, we were in the Missouri River or the, I don't know, maybe the Mississippi, doesn't make any difference. We were standing in this river. I was standing in the middle of this river. And, and uh, we had our back to the current. 
And so we could see everything out of our peripheral, you know. I mean, and what it was is it was just like people's lives and they were they're essentially out of control. They were not, um, uh, they, their feet weren't on the, the floor and uh, they were, you know, some of them were coming in and out of the water up and down, you know, and you could see their arms and even their legs that were flailing. And you could, you could see this happening, you know, again, as they, they came by. And I looked over at Joan, and, uh, and she was struggling, you know, in the context of just the current that, that was against us. And, uh, and I just, you know, this, this was a lesson for me, okay? So I'm kind of letting you into my world here a little bit. And I just turned to her, and I said in a very kind of curt and really unsupportive way, I said, stand up, you know? And she said, I can't. And then in the moment of time, we all of a sudden were turned around. She was right in front of me and we were facing the current and we started moving forward and I woke up. So that was a message to Mikey. Okay, get a clue and, you know, support and take care of. There's a lot of other things that I won't go into detail with, but I guess my point to that is, is again, just because everything is going down the river doesn't mean you have to. Did you hear me? You say, well, what's that look like? It's real simple. You just have to decide that you're going to walk with your father. You're going to obey him. You're just going to do what it is that Jesus asked you to do. That, that, that's all there is to it. It's not difficult. You know, uh, people that fail are the people that don't do what he said. You know, it's just, it's really that simple. And you know, the thing you have to guard yourself against is human reasoning. Because human reasoning will try to make excuses or accuse circumstances or whatever of the reason why you're having the difficulty that you're having. This is not my sermon, okay? This is just, we're talking. That's all. We're just kind of circling the airport. Actually, we're not circling, we're taxiing because we're actually going to take off here in a minute. But anyway, so, um, so we have had the privilege for now over 40 years to serve, really a privilege, to serve in pastoral ministry, to help other people find their lives in Christ, to communicate the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, and the life that he has for us. And we're going to keep doing that, you know. And um, so when we talk about certain truths within the Bible, just like my talking about tithes and offerings, some of you may not be tithers, okay, for whatever reasons. You may feel like that you can't, or you may have thought maybe that it's only in the Old Testament, doesn't exist for the new. And I mean, I don't know what your thinking is. You know, it could be any kind of thing. But the reality is, is that tithing is a very much a part of biblical practice and the, the worship of God. It, it goes clear back to the garden, okay? When Adam and Eve were in the garden, God said, you can have and, you know, participate and, and partake of everything within this place except that tree. That's mine. And... I don't want you messing with it because in the day that you eat thereof, you'll die. 
Well, of course, you know the story they did, and it opened up a, a real can of worms. But even if you go on, you know, in God's dealings with Abraham and Jacob and all, you know, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all of those, they, they, they gave a tenth of all to, of what it is. You remember when uh, Abraham went after his nephew Lot and restored him and saw, you know, the king said of Sodom said, you can have, you know, uh, all of this. And he says, there ain't any guy that's ever going to say that they made Abraham rich. And he, he, but he gave, and when Melchizedek showed up one time, he gave him a tenth and so on and so forth. So it's, it's not a, it, it isn't, um, and some people have the mistaken idea. I mean, I don't, you know, I understand this, but they have the mistaken idea that if you tithe, you know, that somehow or another God is punishing you, you know, making you have to tithe. And uh, nothing could be further from the truth. You know, the deceiver wants to do anything and everything he can to keep people out of the blessing of God. So he'll tell you whatever he thinks will work. But thank God the truth will make you free. Now, <clears throat> I say it regularly that when it comes to an opportunity to do any kind of giving or, or present our ties to the Lord, it is an honor for you to bring your, you're not, and, and here's another mistake that people make. They think that when they give, they're giving to the church. Well, you're not. You're giving it to him. What the church does with it, well, that's their deal. And hopefully, you know, you're going to, uh, you're going to sow that seed in a place that is a life-giving church that's helping people find their lives in Christ and so on and so forth. But, but, but it's, it's a problem because because people, again, in their human reasoning think, you know, they ask all kinds of questions. Well, what's going on? What are they doing? And blah, 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 blah. And, and I think it's valid, you know, that, that, that the church needs to be responsible. But at, but, but at the core of what it is that you're doing when you give, you're essentially, you're, you're reading what the Bible says, and God says he wants you to support the local church, and so then you have an opportunity to do that, you know? So, you either are you either honor that or you don't. And and I'm not I'm not throwing rocks. You can do whatever you want. But my wife and I, when we actually before we were married, we made decisions that we were gonna, you know, give God a tenth of everything that ever comes to our lives. And we did that. And and we had real hardships, struggles in the beginning. You know, a lot of folk, they'll say, Well, you know, when I get enough money, then I will. They don't. If you don't give in the context of what you have, you won't do it when you got a whole bunch. Because the devil will make sure that there's whatever the reasons are that you're not doing it. Now, so, having said all of that, he said, uh, you're robbing me because you haven't followed this ordinance. And so, you're cursed with a curse. Now, he goes on then and says, in verse 10, bring ye all the tithe into the storehouse, that there may be meat in my house, and prove me now herewith, says the Lord of hosts, if I'll not open to you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, and uh, that there will not be room enough to receive it. And now listen to this. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sake. That means when the devil comes to steal all your stuff, God will say, no, 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 no. You know, there is an incredible provision 
that is made available to the believer and child of God when you're a tither. My wife and I, I can't tell you how many times something has, you know, threatened our livelihood and whatever, and we've said, oh, no, you don't, devil. Praise God, we are tithers, and you take your hands off and get out of here. And guess what? He does. Amen. But you can't be in that place to use that tone and speak with that confidence if you're not doing it. Okay? You're on your own, <laughs> and you don't want to be. Am I in the right house? So, he said, I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he will not destroy the fruits of your ground. And neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, says the Lord of hosts. And all nations will call you blessed, for you shall be a delightsome land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, he says a lot of other things here, you know. <laughs> I think I'll share it as long as we're here. Don't you think that'd be a good idea? Okay. He said, your words have been stout against me, says the Lord. And you say, well, what have we spoken so much against you? And uh, he said, you have said that it is in vain to serve God. And here's the reason why people have said that. And what profit is there in that we have kept his ordinance and that we have walked before the Lord of hosts? And uh, then he goes on to talk about how they look at the world and the world seems to have no consequence to what's going on in their lives. They seem to continue to be enriched and everything, you know. And they look over the fence and they look at what's going on over there and they think, well, so this whole tithing thing and doing that, it, it don't work. Because look at them. They don't, they don't tithe. They live like the devil. And they got all this. Well, listen, don't be deceived by what's going on over there. Because guess what? There is a consequence, cause and effect to everything, everybody say everything, that people do. So don't be deceived into thinking, well, you know, they're, they're, they're living, you know, large and doing whatever it is that they want to do, and there's no consequence. Friend, there's a consequence. There is. Sooner or later, payday comes, and it will not be good. You think about everything going on in the political arena right now, and it, it stirs people up. I mean, you know, you talk about you know, working people up into a lather. Uh, we have a lather. And we, we, it seems as though there is no justice, no consequence or whatever. Listen, justice is coming. One way or another, it's on its way. Okay? Now, you may not be the one that's exacting it. I may not. You know, I thought about this a little bit. Isn't it a strategic thing that the devil would go after law enforcement to degrade and to uh, denigrate and cause them to lose the respect and the honor that is due unto them so that the lawless would have no consequence. It's exactly what's happened. They have weakened the, the enforcement of law so they can do their dirt. Are you with me? Now, again, you look at it and you say, wow, you know, where's the justice? Where's the justice? Well, listen, justice is coming. Don't you worry about it, okay? 
you know, because uh, it's on its way. Here's the thing we always need to remember. This is what God, by the Spirit of God, through the Apostle Paul, said to the churches that were in Galatia. He says, don't be deceived. God is not mocked. And whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. So, it certainly is to be regretted, and hopefully people can find a place of repentance and turn and so on and so forth, but it is what it is. So, that's their life. What are you going to do? How will you live? How will I live, you know, in the midst of that? Well, I'm going to live, praise God, by the law of love, and I'm going to follow the Master, and I'm going to do what it is that he asks us to do, praise God. And in the meantime, praise God, I'm also going to stay full of joy because I've been given the victory. Amen? All of the things I just got in sharing with you, they're, they're to be regretted. There's no question about it. You know, the Bible says that God is not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. But unfortunately, that's not going to happen for everyone because they are lost within their own sin and, and um, uh, their own undoing. I want to share a verse of Scripture with you. And, and again, I'm saying this because we're, you need to know what's going on. You need to understand the times that we're living in. And Jesus told us all about them. And, and, and the caveat to it was, he said, these things are going to come to pass. But listen, I want you to be of good cheer. I've overcome the world, okay? In other words, you can allow it to overwhelm you or take hold of your life and cause uh, discouragement or whatever D word you want to use, or you can say, well, Jesus said these things would come to pass, but he said to lift up your head because your redemption is, is drawing near, okay? You say, but I don't like what's going on. Well, none of us do, but Jesus is going to come, and he's going to make everything right. You say, but when? I don't know. He just said occupy until I get there. So that's what we're going to do. Are you with me? This is what the Bible says. How many of you like the Bible? Now, this is 2 Timothy, I think, in chapter 3 out of the English Standard Version. It says, you need to understand this, but understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty. We're in it. You know, there's this escalation of things that are going on in cities and all over in the country and different things of that nature. I mean, you know, it's real. He says, there's going to come times of difficulty. Listen, because... People will be lovers of themselves. That's why it's happening. People are so self-absorbed. They walk around, they got their selfie sticks, and they're taking all their pictures and all these different things. I mean, they are absolutely consumed with themselves. He says in the last days there's going to come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable. You know, this whole deal, you know, you see going on right now, if you think the cancel culture is going to go lay in a corner somewhere, you're wrong. They're not. Unappeasable, 
slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit. I've never seen the likes of which. You'll see people, you know, whether it's in media or on television or something like that, they are so full of themselves. And they think, see, that's what, you know, when Paul was writing in another place, he said, he said that, uh, I've shared this before, but because people choose not to retain God in their knowledge, that God will give them up. This is what you want? Here you go. He will give them up to a, a reprobate, King James says, the reprobate mind or a mind that is absolutely void of judgment. In other words, they don't know right from wrong anymore. Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. And that's what you're having. That's what you're seeing. Now, here's the thing. You know, while I share all of this, you know, we think that that is the majority of the people that are in the world in which we live. It's not the majority. It's just what you hear about. Okay? So it says that they'll be reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness. <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. But denying its power, it says, avoid such people. There you go. What are we supposed to do? Avoid them. You say, well, I can't. Well, then you just have to deal with it best you know how. The Bible says that as much as lies within you, you know, walk peaceably with all men. Are you with me? Sometimes that can't happen, but, you know, I don't have to live with them. I don't spend my time with them. Huh? I can spend my time with you. You're a whole lot more fun. Yeah, you really are. Do you know that my wife and I have the privilege of, of pastoring a great church with great people? You know, sometimes I talk to pastors, and they're not real happy with their folk. But I got the best bunch in the world. Amen. You say, ah, you don't mean that. Yeah, I really do. Praise God. We're thankful for you. Amen. We're blessed to have you as a part of our congregation. Amen. Now, you know, once in a while, some people grow teeth and start chewing on you, but that's not you. That's them. Are you listening to me? Praise God. And we've been chewed on before, praise God, and we're still around. Just get a bandage out and keep walking. Are you listening to me? Well, anyway, I was taking up the offering. Remember that? Yeah. He said he'd rebuke the devourer for our sake. And, he, and, and I, was, I was at this point where it talks about, well, I don't need to talk about all that. I already talked about it. Let's receive our offering. The ushers are coming. Where are they? There they are. Here they come. Here they come, walking down the street. Come on. Come on down here, guys. Let's come on down here to the front. Let's make every... See, Nelson's already here, and Brent, he's hiding. And Come on. Come on. Come on. All the way down here. Yeah, turn around, John. Look at him real good. See, he's got an envelope. And this guy, he wants to give someone an envelope. So could you please help the man out and just raise your hand so he could serve you with one of those? Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah, he'd really like it. Well, here's the problem. You already have them in your pew, so that kind of makes it difficult. But anyway, we're going to honor the Lord this morning, 
and we're going to bring our tithes and whatever your offering is, whatever, praise God. If it's 50 cents, come on. Hallelujah. And let's honor him today as we give. Hold your offering up toward heaven. Father, we love you so much, and we thank you for the privilege we have to walk in the light of your word. And God, we, we are so grateful that you said and promised that you would rebuke the devourer for our sake and command your blessing in our storehouses. So Father, we want to thank you for your grace upon our lives as families, as individuals. Father God, each and every one of our homes are kept and sustained and protected by you. And Father, we thank you for that in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. All right, go ahead, guys. Pass the buckets. There are no announcements, so we're just going to giddy up and keep going. That be all right with you? Okay, thank you for that response. I was just almost chilling. It was so bright and cheery. Hallelujah. All right, if you brought a Bible with you, I'm going to invite you to open it to Mark chapter 4. Mark the fourth chapter. How many glad to be in church today? Praise God. Thank you, Lord. Amen. Mark chapter 4. You know, one of the objectives that we've had while they're picking up the uh, um, offering this morning, one of the objectives that we've had here at the fellowship is to prepare the body of Christ, to prepare you for his coming. And so a lot of the messages that, we're, that we've been communicating, you know, um, are basically couched uh, within the context of his soon return. Because Jesus is coming again. Right. Amen. And, and, you know, so he, he told us what we were to do. He talked about our preparedness you know, the, the parable of the virgins and different ones, you know, uh, the, the goodman of the house that left and, you know, gave his talents to individuals and said, you know, do business till I come back, different things of that nature and so on and so forth. He taught us those things. So, you know, the important thing for us as believers is to make sure that we're about the Father's business, doing what it is that he's asked us to do, preparing ourselves for his coming so that we are not caught unaware. And then the other thing that we've been talking about is really doing everything that we can. I'm talking about as a pastoral staff to, to uh, position believers, children of God, those that are uh, at least given as a responsibility that we have to discharge the gifting that God has placed within our lives uh, towards you so that you are rooted, grounded, and established in the truth of God's word so that you are not soon shaken. It's just like that little ditty that I did there just earlier. What's that for? It is to give you perspective. It is to help provide insight so that you can understand what it is that's taking place. Now, it's your prerogative. I mean, you can believe it or not. I mean, that's your deal. You've got to figure it out. You don't have to take my word for it. I mean, if, if you don't want to, that's fine. But I tell you what, you better take a look at what the Bible has to say. Are you listening to me? As a matter of fact, it would, be, it would be well that you did take what it is that I've said and compare it to what the Bible has to say. Because at the end of the day, that's all that really matters. You know, the Bible talks about there's going to be all kind of false prophets in the latter days. And they're, they're here now, dude. There's people prophesying all kinds of stuff. The only problem is it don't come to pass. Huh? Well, what, 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 what does that make them that are prophesying? It makes them a false prophet. Okay, this is pretty simple stuff. Huh? 
I, I really did. We drove to the right spot this morning, didn't we? Hallelujah. Yeah. You know, and so we get all jazzed up about this stuff. And, you know, praise God. Thank God for his word. His word is what keeps us level. Amen. You don't want to fly upside down. Okay, that's, that's not cool, unless you're intentionally doing it for some cause. But mostly, you want to fly right side up. And your passengers, if you're a pilot, would rather have you, what do you think, honey? Right side up? Yeah. One time, we were having to fly through a thunderstorm, a line of thunderstorms, and uh, little light planes and thunderstorms don't go together. But, you know, there was an open place, okay, so I'm not you know, driving into the abyss thinking, okay, this is it or anything like that. So my wife, she just, she had a blanket. She put it over her head and she said, tell me when we're on the other side. <laughs> so I did. Worked for her, you know, hallelujah. I told her on the way to church, I said, you know, we were driving rather fast because I was late, okay? And I won't tell you how fast I was going because it doesn't matter, Okay. I kind of like to drive fast. How many of you like to drive? Oh, sorry, Lieutenant. <laughs> um, but anyway, you've got to be careful about what you say, I guess. But anyway, <clears throat> so we're on our way, and she says, uh, are you in a hurry to get there? I said, well, we are a little bit later this morning than normal, you know. And I think that she thought, and she's probably right, that there was really no cause to get that excited. There wasn't. She said, no. Okay. And uh, so anyway, Bill, we're just making our way to church. I said, baby, I got to do something to keep the blood flowing in your life for another 25, 30 years. I said, you know, you know, I, I, you just can't just all settle down and get all, you know, whatever on me. So that's what I do. It's my job. Okay. You know, we get to be 90, 95, then we can figure out if maybe we should slow down. Are you with me? Maybe. That's a good point. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. But anyway, where was I before you interrupted me? I was talking to you about being rooted and grounded and established in him in these last days so that you wouldn't be moved quickly about anything. Amen? That you'd be settled. You know, in Colossians, when Paul was writing there in chapter 2 and 6, he said this. He says, and now just as you accepted Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. See, thank God for the new birth and being born of the Spirit of God, but now he wants you to become his disciple and follow him. So it then goes on to say, let your roots grow down into him and let your lives be built on him. And then your faith will grow strong in the truth you were taught, and you will overflow with thankfulness. I like that. Don't you? Praise God to be grateful, to be thankful, and to be blessed because you're established in Him. So this morning I want to talk to you. Last Wednesday uh, we talked about being at peace in the midst of the storm. And I want to continue along those lines because of some of the things I shared with you earlier, you know, because I tell you what, you are in a very, very distinct and wonderful, really epic place as a child of God to be living in these last days 
watching for and waiting for the return of Jesus Christ. Now, you know, Jesus said that there was going to be a whole lot of shaking going on. He said everything that can be will be shaken. Isn't that right? So all the uh, temporal things of this life, you know, uh, it, it, it's going to get interesting. But, 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 everybody say hallelujah. Yeah, thank God for but, <laughs> you know. But in the midst of all of that, he said, don't ever let your hearts be troubled. Don't be afraid. Why? Because I'm going to take care of you. How many of you believe he'll take care of you? Okay, that's good. Praise God. I've seen a lot of people raise their hands. Not everybody, but a lot of you. But I tell you this much, praise God, he'll take care of you. And especially if you'll believe him and trust him. And, uh, and that's what I really want to talk to you. Because, again, you know, the scriptures speak of his return. He's coming. Praise God. The scriptures admonish and speak of our preparedness and our watching for him. The scriptures speak of the troubling and treacherous times in the last days. The scriptures also talk about <laughs> the need to never be filled with care. That's going to be our challenge, okay? Or worry because we are the children of God. Now look at this story with me in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And the same day when the evening was come, Jesus said to his disciples, let's pass to the other side. And when they had sent away the multitude, they took Jesus even as he was in the ship, and there were also with him other little ships. And there arose a great storm of wind, and the waves beat into the ship so that it was now full. And he was in the back of the ship, <clears throat> asleep on a pillow, and they awoke him and said, Master, or teacher, or rabbi, don't you care that we're about to perish? And he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace be still. Hallelujah. Don't you love that? Wouldn't you like to have been there? Well, now, before you answer that question, you got to realize there was something coming, okay, that was a mild form of rebuke to all the other 12 that were in the boat. Notice what it says. He arose, You'd still like to be there. I mean, come on. You know, so he said this, he said, he rose, rebuked the wind and said to the sea, peace be still. And the wind ceased and there was a great calm. And then he turned to his disciples and he said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Can we stop right there and uh, think about that for a minute? Why did he have the right to make that kind of statement to them? It's a legitimate question. Okay, because if any of us would have been in that boat, we would have responded the same way they did. Huh? I mean, we'd have woke the master because we got a problem. You with me? And yet he turned to them and he said, why are you so fearful? And how is it that you have, he said, no faith? Uh, Luke, when he was writing about it, said, where is your faith? In other words, they didn't have any faith in something, right? So my point to saying all of that is, is that, you know, Jesus, ex he expressed this disappointment in the disciples, in their reaction, in their behavior, and he expected, or at least it seems, that he expected a different response. Would you agree? Okay, 
So my question to you is, I wonder what his response would be toward us and how we face and deal with the storms of life. Don't answer that question, okay? Just think about it. That's all I want you to do. Because, because there is a way in which he wants you and I to respond to the storms of life that we experience. You know, whether it be the concerns of things that are going on within the nation or the world or what it is that's happening immediately within our lives and concerns that we have, you know, as, as human beings, there is a way that he wants us to respond. Now, the reason I think that Jesus made the statement the way he did is, is because he, these disciples had a history with him, okay? And he had been teaching them. He had been, you know, telling them. He had been demonstrating. He had been showing them. And yet when, when, when a difficult time arose, let's just say they didn't pass the test. Is that fair? So, so he called them on it. He said, why are you so fearful? How is it that you have, what did he say? No faith. No faith. And, and they turned to one another and said, man, dude, who is this cat? that even the wind and the sea obey him. In other words, it was so far outside of their purview. I mean, they couldn't even, you know, get their head right, and neither would you, because they'd never seen anything like this before. But again, remember, he is teaching them. And before it was over with, praise God, I mean, I mean with the power of the Holy Ghost, these men were transformed and changed. But here's the thing. Again, I ask the question, what his response would be toward us and how we face and deal with the storms of life? And if you're concerned about how you might have to answer that question, <laughs> then, then the, the obvious is, is what would we need to do in order to change that? Does that make sense to you? The first thing I'd like to suggest to you is, is that, you know, living in the world, the storms of life, they come to all of us. We're all having to deal with it. But you know, the reality is you can line 10 people up with the same problem and you'll have 10 different reactions. So what we need to do is we need to learn, everybody say learn. We need to learn what it is that God has spoken to us about how we deal with the things that are going on in our lives, you know. And, 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 and let me, as a side note, you're not a victim, you're a victor. But if you have a victim's mentality, then you're going to respond to it just that way. And sometimes, you know, we grow up in different environments and different things, you know, households, and, and it gives shape to temperaments and, and behaviors and all of that. But God wants you to renew your mind and your way of thinking to his so that you don't have to live under the tyranny of that. How many of you believe that? And it requires work. There's no question about it. I mean, you just can't get around that. It requires something of you to let the Word of God sink down on the inside of you. In other words, get in the book and let the book get in you. Because if you'll let the book get in you, it will change the response. Are you with me? You can't help necessarily. Uh, let me say it. Uh, maybe I need to say that differently. You know, if you're in a certain place, you, you, you got people that are at different stages of spiritual growth and development. And, and you know, wherever they are. I mean, you, you, I want to say this right so that you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I want to say you can't help 
but respond the way you do because of what's in you. So what we need to do is change what's in you. You know? And when we do that, then, of course, everything else is going to change too. Are you with me? Like, um, I use the example, you know, um, when I married my wife, she had a family that was very functional and, and had uh, really great resource because her dad had a work ethic that was significant, okay? And so, you know, at the time when we were teenagers growing up, he was a man who had a, 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 he was feeding a large bunch of cattle. I don't know whether he had hogs or not too. I don't remember that part, but he was farming 800 acres and he owned it all. And during that time, I mean, I'm sure there were other, but that was a big deal because my family was growing up on it. We could make a living on a 240 acre farm. He's farming 800 acres and feeding all these cattle and doing all this. There were times when, he, when the season we used to, you know, before minimum tillage, they had to plow everything. Well, if you've got to get over, you know, 800 acres with three or four bottom plow, you're going to be there a while. And so what they would do is they would run this tractor 24 hours a day. And he'd make the hired man farm or plow all day long. And at the end of the day, he would get on the tractor and run the thing all night long. Because, were, you know, you say, well, I wouldn't do that. Well, that's why you didn't, own, you didn't own 800 acres. You're, you know, working at Casey's or whatever. And if you work at Casey's, don't, please, please don't. Don't send me a letter, okay? I'm not saying that, okay? But um, I grew up from a family that, that we didn't have that. I did not learn that, okay? And so consequently... We, we become products of our environment. Well, <clears throat> that's not an excuse. It may be true, but it's not something that you hang your hat on and say, I can't help it because whatever. So I grew up in that, and, and you know, this was all new to me. And to think differently took me a long time to get straightened out. Okay? So you may have to change the way you think. You know, one of the great big deals that I had to get over is the idea that God actually wanted me to prosper. You know, a lot of people, they don't believe that. They say, no, no, no. Somehow or another, they equate spirituality and piety with lack and deficiency and poverty. And the church has taught that. There are certain churches that have, you know, people have taken vows of poverty. That's the stupidest thing you could ever do. Why would you do that? It's, un it's unscriptural. Okay, I mean, you know, at the end of the day. But people do that, you know, and somehow or another, they, again, they, 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 they tie uh, that piety, whatever you want to call it, to not having anything. Well, here's the thing. When you're in lack and deficiency, um, it's not humbling. It's humiliating. When you can't pay your bills, when you can't take care of your family, when you can't supply the needs that you have. And the thing about it is, is the devil is the one who has sold the church that bunch of junk. You know, they'll say, well, you know, the love of money is, or money's the root of all evil. The love of money is the root of all evil, not money. Money is amoral. It is neutral. 
It's what you do with it. I've said it again and again. God's not opposed to you having things. He's opposed to things having you. So as long as you allow it to flow through you, you know, it's like, the, like Joe Morris said, if he can get it through you, he'll get it to you. But if you're going to be tight-fisted, you know, we just talked about the whole thing about giving and things like that. And, and the biggest problem in all of this, you guys, is, is that people don't take the time to change the way they think. You have to change the way you think. Think bigger, you know. God has enough. You say, yeah, but not from what I, where I can see. Well, then maybe you need to change your, your view. Maybe you need to pick it up and go land someplace else and look at things. We were on our way driving however fast we were going, real fast. And we come up on this hill, and there's a guy that's been riding his bicycle, and God only knows where he come from. But he's sitting up on top of this hill, and he's looking down out over this valley, you know, and kind of, you know, just taking in the moment while we went by. Well, what am I, what's that all about? I'm trying to explain, you know, he was just taking that moment to look at things from a different perspective. Instead of looking at the ground and his speedometer and whatever else, you know, odometer trying to figure out how many miles, he just stopped and said, hey, you know what, let's, let's smell the roses. Different perspective. Amen. Amen. And if you're hanging out with people, you know, that are all down in the mouth about the gospel and down in the mouth about, you know, uh, what it is that God wants to do in your life, you need to hang out with some different folk. And, and it's not that they're bad or anything like that, but dude, come on. You know, some of them, you know, you try to jack up and straighten up and get up, you know, and they just, they won't be convinced. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Well, do the best you can, but just keep going on down the road. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, anyway, Jesus, he expected something different from them. And again, in the storms of life that all of us, uh, we're, we're all going to face them. But here's the good news. You all ready for some good news? You're not facing them alone. I'm not facing them. We don't face our storms alone. Thank you, Jesus. Anything and everything that comes our way, we are not alone. Jesus said that, didn't he? He said, you guys are all going to hit the road, but praise God, I am not alone. And I'll tell you what this much about it, when you get in the midst of a battle, and see, that's why it's so important for you to understand that God is on your side. He's for you. Paul said, if God be for us, who can be against us? The psalmist of old said, the Lord is on my side. But see, the devil, remember him. He's always trying to convince people, well, if God is on my side, then why am I having to blah, 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 whatever it is. Well, have you ever thought about the fact that whatever it is that's going on in your life may not be authored by God? You got people that preach in the pulpit, you know, everything, God is in control, so whatever it is that's going on in your life, it must be God. That's wrong. That's false doctrine. Because everything that's going on in people's lives is not God. But if I can convince you of that, then I got you just where, where I want you. I will, I will beat you bloody, and I will defeat you every time. When James was writing, he said this. He said, listen, brethren, 
He said, don't be deceived. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. We just got done reading. He says, I don't ever change. Huh? And he says, of his own will, you were begotten again by the word of truth so that you could know the truth and the truth could make you free. Listen, God is on your side. He's, I don't care what people say. I mean, at the end of the day, you're going to have to learn that people are going to say and believe all kinds of things, but you're going to have to decide what it is that you believe. When all those people turned away and walked away from Jesus that were his disciples, he turned to the twelve and he said, are you leaving too? He wasn't begging them to stay. They said, well, where would we go? We don't understand half of the stuff that you do, but we know you got the words of eternal life. And then, and then he just caps it, and he says, uh, uh, you know, uh, never mind. <laughs> you know, Jesus, he, you know, I mean, you talk about being independently dependent on his father, he was. And that's exactly the way that God wants you to become. Yeah. Independently dependent upon him. Yeah. Amen. So that when the storms come, you say, thank God I'm not alone. We're not alone. God is going to help us. He's going to make a way. You know, we've had it in health issues. We've had it in financial matters. We've had it, you know, relational uh, issues and things of that nature. I mean, in every aspect of life, you know, we all have storms. But thank God he's with us, for us, in us, and on our side. He's on your side. Amen. So if the devil's been telling you otherwise, well, you can just let him know, serve him notice, praise God, because you're not facing those things alone. Are you with me? Hallelujah. Here's a, here's a, here's a little bit of an example. Years ago, when we were um, uh, national directors for um, our ministerial association, we hosted a, a retreat for a bunch of ministers up in Wisconsin. And part of this gig was, is we were going to have a big barbecue and we were out in Wisconsin. Wisconsin's beautiful, you know, it's got all these hills and dales and valleys and they were going to take us on a, uh, uh, a hay rack ride. And they, they were, we were being drawn by these big draft horses. And so, you know, it was a beautiful night. Everything was perfect, you know, bugs weren't bad and all this and that and the other. And we're out there sauntering down, you know, through this field. And then we get down by this, this ravine or this creek or whatever the case might be. And, and the guy that was driving these horses kind of took us down. And it was pretty, just, you know, just serene. I mean, it was awesome. You know, trees were canopied over us, and we're going down this dirt road, and these horses, you know, are just kind of, you know, doing what they do. But, you know, the, the grade, when he, when he dropped off off of this thing, you know, the grade was, that was pretty good, but it wasn't really noticeable, and the horses weren't having any problem or anything like that. Well, <clears throat> so he gets down to the bottom, and just before he gets to the bottom, this thing kind of takes a hard, not a hard left, but a left to go back up the hill. And all of a sudden, dude... I mean, he, he kicks spur and, and uh, is trying to get these horses going. <laughs> All of a sudden, boom, you know, we're going along at a little bit better clip than we were, which is fine. Well, so we get around this corner, and we're starting to go up this hill, and these horses are up into this harness, this yoke, and they're trying to pull this thing up. And guess what? They got to a point, and they couldn't pull it anymore. And 
you know, they're, they're trying to hold it. But guess what? That's not happening either. Now, my wife has a different story. You can ask her. But as soon as I see, huh? It's a truth. His, hers is the truth. So anyway, this is the way I see it happening, okay? And now I'll give you her side of it. As soon as I seen this happening, I knew right away that there was so much weight on this thing that these horses were never going to. And the thing about it is, is that the ravine was just kind of back behind us over here, which is where it was going. Now, I don't know if we'd ever ended up in the bottom of it because there was a lot of trees, but there could be some real damage. So as soon as I seen what was happening, I jumped off. You know, I'm not going down with the ship. Hallelujah. So I turned to my wife and I looked into her hazel eyes and there was a little bit of fear and trepidation there. And I said, jump off. And uh, I said, get off, I think is what I said. I'm looking at her. She goes, what? I says, get off, get off, get off. Well, she says that as soon as she made her way to get off or jump off, that I just left her and she jumped off. Is that the way it went down? Yeah, but she was off. But I was being the responsible type. Here's my disclaimer. I was trying to get everybody else to get off too, okay? Because I knew that until we got the weight off this thing, we were going to be going the wrong, and the thing was going the wrong direction, going backwards, and so it all turned out. Now, you say, why in the world did you tell me that story? Well, the reason I tell the story is is that people do a lot of strange things when they panic. And sometimes when they panic, they don't do anything. These people are sitting on these, these hay bales, straw bales, not doing nothing. Dude, we got a Houston, we got a problem. Get off, you know. Are you with me? But people do do a lot of strange things when they panic. And people panic when they don't understand or they're afraid. They, they didn't know really what was going on. But I came off a farm, man. I'm thinking to myself, I got this figured out. We got to get off, you know. These city-fied folk, man, they're just kind of, well, you know, hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. So why am I saying that to you now? Because, dude, there are a lot of people that are in a panic. I mean, they, they're, their britches are knotted up about what's going on. works you get it don't you you know the thing is is i mean you know there's just there's a lot of shaking going on and i'm not i'm not suggesting it's not real because it is real but you know there was stuff that happened jesus gave us an example and there were now we we're not there yet but there were people literally wanting to kill him i mean kill him and yet that man walked through the midst of that whole mess he said, aren't there 12, day or 12 hours in a day? If you walk in the light, you'll be fine. And the same thing's true for you, my friend. You say, well, that's just not possible. It is possible. He's your father. I think the one thing that people don't understand is, is that when you got born again, when you experienced the new birth, everything changed because you became a child of his and you became a part of his family. And, he, and when that happened, he said, I will never leave you. 
or I will never, ever forsake you. And I tell you what, my friend, you can go to the bank on that. I don't care how bad it gets. He said he would be with you always. Yeah, but being with me, don't that don't help me when the, in the mess I'm in. You might better know that it might help you if you're in a mess. Hallelujah. And so that, to me, as a pastor, is what I want to do where people's lives are concerned. I want you to be able, with confidence, to be able to respond to whatever it is that's going on in your life because you have the Word of God abiding in you and you have a confidence and a relationship with God that causes you not to be moved so that you can do what it is that needs to be done so that you don't end up becoming a casualty there are people right now, for whatever reason, they're not in church anymore. They, they feel like they don't need church or they get it off of whatever, you know, and, and different things like that. Dude, you need the body of Christ. You need to be in a church family. And you need to be able to hold one another's arms up and be engaged with one another in these last days. So much the more, you know, because of the, the world that we're living in. We need one another. You say, well, I don't like them. Well, then maybe, praise God, you need to repent. Ooh, ow. I wasn't expecting that. Because a lot of folks, they think, well, they just need to change. Well, yeah, that might be true. But what are you going to do in the meantime there, hot rod? You know, when Paul was writing there in, uh, to the church there in Ephesus, he talked about... <laughs> He talked about walking in love. Huh? Better look at that as long as we're here. Did we read Mark chapter 4? We never did read it, did we? Huh? We did? That was a long time ago. Okay, well, let's go over here to Ephesians chapter 5 since we're just roaming around here. Notice what it says here. In verse 1, chapter 5 of Ephesians, he says, Be therefore followers or imitators of God as dear children, and walk in love, as Christ also has loved us, and given himself up for us as an offering and a sacrifice to God for a sweet smell and savor. Can you imagine? God's putting up with all of us. You know, you, you get all, you know, your nose out of joint because somebody, you know, you're having to put up with somebody. Dude, he's putting up with all of us. Huh? You know, there's times in the Old Testament when he was ready to light the torch. You know, he says, you know what, Moses? I'm, I'm tired of this whole crew. I'm just going to start all over. He did that once with Noah. And then, thank God, Moses talked him out of it. You better thank God that Moses and God were never at that same place at the same time, or we wouldn't even be here. Are you with me? But Moses said, now, wait a minute. You don't want to do that because all the nations of the world will say, will say that you were able to bring them out of Egypt and then you left them for dead. He said, ah, you're right. But I tell you, as truly as I live, the whole earth will be filled with the glory of God. Amen. So where were we? Oh, yeah. In verse 2, he says here that as dear children, be imitators of him and walk in love just as he did. And then... Uh, I'm missing what I want to read here. Ah, go back to chapter 4, excuse me. 
I stand corrected. Therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, verse 1, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the Lord or of the vocation or calling wherewith you're called, with all lowliness, meekness, and with long-suffering. Now, this is what I was trying to read. Forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. What does forbearing mean? Does anybody know? It means to put up with. Some of you husbands and wives, you've been putting up with one another for like ever. Uh huh. Mary, don't laugh too hard right there. You know, just keep it to a low roar. Okay. No, we have. Why? My wife's been putting up with me for almost 40, well, 40, actually about 48 years. We dated for four and been married for almost 44. You know? Thank God. Amen. Forbearing, putting up with people. Yeah, that's right. Sure gets quiet when you start talking about stuff like this, doesn't it? Amen. But that's what he asks us to do. Like I said, he'd been putting up with all of us. You know, like with those disciples on that one occasion, he said, man, why are you so, what, what is wrong with you? Why don't you have any faith? Let's, let's go back to uh, Mark chapter, uh, eh, we're all over the place here now anyway, but let's go back to Mark chapter uh, 8. Go back to chapter 8. Y'all glad you came today? Hallelujah. Look at Mark chapter 8. Let me ask a question of you before we read this. How many of you have ever had God do something significant in your life? Let me see your hand. Okay. It could be salvation. It could have been a health issue. It could have been salvation and a health issue. It could have been an impossible circumstance where your finances was concerned. You know, I mean, all different kinds of things. I, I think about Andy Beller. How long have you been sober, Andy? Two years. Two years. He came to this church and he was a mess, you know. And we started helping him, different things like that. And he got a job and ended up getting drunk and lost the job. Well, what are you going to do? Just kick him to the curb? No, praise God. We just picked him up and said, well, you made a little mistake there. Let's try this again. But thank God those two, God has changed their lives as a part of being in this church. Amen. Amen. You ought to give the Lord a great big hand clap. Amen. That's real. That's transformational change. Are you listening to me? Are they perfect? Not best like, no, uh uh-uh. No, probably not. But I tell you what, they're coming out. Are you listening to me? Amen. So, so all of us, I, I guess we could all say that we have experienced God's grace within our lives. Would that be true? Well, so those, those testimonies, those, those things that have happened are things that he wants you to remember, you know? I mean, I, I look across congregation. I know some people, you know, they're bound by alcohol. They were bound by drug abuse, substance abuse, all kinds of, their life was a mess. They were going down the tube. And God reached down and lifted them out of that mess and delivered them. God wants you to remember those things. 
because, because we all have it. And the reason that I say all of this is, is that if he did that once, guess what? He'll do it again. But we forget that. Somehow or another, the faith that we had for that moment, it, it no longer exists. It got used, and you got to have faith for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Are you with me? But, but your history with him can be a great blessing. And I'll tell you why. Take David. When he was going to go out and slay Goliath, you know, the king says, dude, you're a, you're a wimp. You can't go out there. This guy, he, you know, he's been a man of war from his youth. And here you are, a 17-year-old sheepkeeper. And he says, well, king, listen, let me tell you about what God did when the bear came after our stuff. And I went after him and I smote him. And the lion that did the same thing, and I took care of him. And that uncircumcised Philistine is going to end up just like them. Well, the Lord be with you. Let me give you my armor, which did little good for him. So I'm not proving any of this. I don't need it. Just give me five stones, one for Goliath and his four brothers, and let's get after it. I'm telling you, that's powerful. Woo! You know, so after it's all over with and he kills Goliath, King, you know, turns to, you know, Abner or whoever it was, you know, he says, who's that kid? Bring him into the palace. And so this guy goes out and starts doing, I mean, uh, he's a mighty man of valor at a 17 years old. And all of a sudden he's out, you know, going and doing and, and uh, you know, taking up territory, getting rid of Philistines, doing whatever it is that needs to happen. And everybody starts singing, you know, that Saul's killed his thousand and David his 10,000. And that did not go over real good. Because all of a sudden, you know, Saul realizes because of his own insecurities, remember, they pulled him out of the baggage room and hiding under a bunch of uh, bags when they anointed him to be the king over Israel. He had some, he had some security issues. You know, so when he seen what was happening with David, he said, the only thing's left is my, my position, my throne. And so from that day forward, he started trying to kill him. So your history is, is, is huge. You know, think back, write them down, make a record, a journal what it is that God did what the circumstances were, and how it is that he intervened. Because was it, was it real? I mean, what he did, was it real? Absolutely. So you need to write it down. Then that way you can go back and say, you know what, God did this, he'll do it again. Now, so having said that, I said all of that, praise God, to say this, look what happened here in another instance. In chapter 8, Mark, y'all doing all right? Yeah. Okay. Um, chapter 8, verse 13. And Jesus left them and entered into a ship again to depart to the other side. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread. He left, he left the crowd after he got done, you know, preaching. Now the disciples had forgotten to take bread and neither had they in the ship with them more than one loaf. And so, so they're all concerned about, hey, dude, somebody forgot to, you know, pack the, you know, food bag. Yeah. 
So he says to them, verse 14, uh, or 15, and he charged them saying, and I want you to hear what he said, take heed, beware of the leaven or the doctrine or the teaching of who? Who? Weren't they the, the leaders of the church? Weren't they the highest officials within the church? And what was Jesus telling them to do? Beware of their doctrine. There's a lot of stuff in the church that's not God. But notice it goes on to say this, and of the leaven of who? Who? Who was Herod? He was the political figure, you know. A lot of stuff you hear going on right now, dude, it is so full of lies. It's unbelievable. You know, and people need to understand that. These people are corrupt, okay? But, but a lot, and, and they'll tell you whatever, whatever you want to hear or whatever they think you want to hear, you know. Why? Because they're there to do one thing, and that is to enrich themselves. They don't care about you. Are you with me? You say, well, that's kind of discouraging and disheartening. Well, if you look to them as your personal and final satisfaction, yeah, that can be. But praise God, mine is not in them. Mine is in Him. And He'll take care of me. Amen. I may have to change the way I think. Are you listening to me? But he said here again, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of Herod. Now, let me give you a definition of leaven. It is the subtle influence on the mind to shape how we perceive reality. That's exactly what the cancel culture is doing right now. They're trying to change the way that people think. Are you listening to me? You know, they've got critical race theory that they're trying to slam down our kids' throat because they know, they get them started when they're young. By the time they're in junior high, they'll believe it all. Now, let me just say this briefly. Do I feel that people of color have been mistreated? Yeah, absolutely. But so have white people, you know. And what's happened is the devil has taken it to use it as an instrument to destroy a God-fearing nation. And unfortunately, a whole lot of folk have bought into it. That's why Jesus said, you need to be careful about what you accept because it is that subtle influence. Did you hear me? That subtle influence on the mind to shape how we perceive reality. So he's talking to them about one thing. They're thinking about the fact somebody didn't pack the food bag, the lunch bag. Okay, so they're in a whole nother world, you know. So all of a sudden, in verse 16, they reason among themselves, and, and because he used the word leaven, he says, well, it's because we didn't bring any bread. And, and I can only imagine that Jesus probably just went, are you kidding me? You know, so listen what he says to them. I mean, listen, he didn't give up on them. He's not going to give up on you. Okay, so listen to what he says as we read on here in verse 17. When Jesus knew what they were talking about, he said, why, 
Why is it? Why reason you because you have no bread? Perceive ye not yet, neither understand? Have you your hearts yet hardened? In other words, he's asking, why, how is it that you don't get this, you know? Is your, is your heart still hard? So he goes on then and says, in verse 18, Having eyes, see ye not. Having ears, hear ye not. Uh, do you not remember? Remember I was talking to you about your history? Because the reality is, is that, you know, he's addressing their reasoning that was unaffected. Did you hear that? He's addressing their reasoning that was unaffected by his history with them. He said, what you've seen, what you've heard, what you've witnessed ought to be shaping and giving shape and influence to your life in a different way than where you're at right now. Are you with me? So he says, what's wrong? Don't you, you know, I mean, he said, don't you get it? Now notice in verse 19. So he takes them back. They're worried about food. Okay, so he takes them back in 19. He says, when I broke the five loaves among the 5,000, how many baskets full of fragments did you take up? And they said, well, 12. They remembered it. Huh? Then he said to them in verse 20, and when the seven, you know, when there were seven loaves among the 4,000, how many baskets full of fragment took you up then? And they said, well, seven. And so he just then concluded, he asked them, he said to them, how is it that you don't understand? What's that, what's, what is that to mean to you and I? That is simply saying to you and I that the same God that puts food on your table today will put food on your table tomorrow if you'll trust him. Are you with me? In other words, he was pointing them back and he said, food is not an issue here. This stuff that you're going to be dealing with in the way of doctrine and teaching and who it is it's saying and the influences, that's what matters. Okay? And so he, he's, he's saying the same thing to you and I. When it comes to all this stuff that's going on in this world that you and I happen to find ourselves living in, listen to me. He's going to take a father's place and he's going to take care of you. But you've got to trust him. And you've got to believe him. And you got to do what it is that he asked you to do. So that when the storms come, praise God. And here's the thing. In the midst of the storm, you have to learn. Everybody say learn. You have to learn to resist the temptation to fear. God has not given you the spirit of fear. Do you know what the spirit of fear did back in March of this last year? It literally, it literally paralyzed an entire globe. And when the facts started coming out, even to this day, they're still trying to use it to manipulate control and condition people. But I mean, if you look at the facts, if you look at the science, it's a bunch of junk. 
And not only that, I think that the cat's going to get out of the bag and it's going to be an opportunity for the church because a bunch of people are going to realize they've been being lied to and that's going to be our opportunity to pitch the gospel so that people can be saved and turn to Christ. How many of you believe that? I do. Praise God. So, learn from the history that you have with God concerning His care for you. Praise God, because it'll bless you. I'm going to read one more scripture, and I'm going to let you go. I've already taken the offering, so it'll be quick. Okay? Turn to Luke chapter 21. <clears throat> Luke chapter 21. Something else that Jesus said. I hope this has blessed you today. I hope it's encouraged you in your faith. That, praise God, your heavenly Father is going to take a, a Father's place and He's going to take care of you. Amen? I said amen? Amen. <laughs> amen. Just want to make sure you're all on the same page. Notice what it says here beginning in verse 25. There shall be signs in the sun and in the moon and in the stars and on the earth distress of nations with perplexity <laughs> or in perplexity. And the sea and the waves roaring. Men's hearts failing them for what? Well, thank God you don't have to fear. And for looking after those things that are coming on the earth, for the powers of heaven are going to be shaken. You know, I, 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 this is going to happen, okay? But you don't have to be afraid, okay? I don't know what, you know, when, when they were talking about, you know, the end times and Jesus coming again, years ago, it was kind of like, well, how's this going to work? And now, all of a sudden, here we are on this threshold, and we see all these alliances that are being made, and you're starting to see this is how it's going to work. Israel's surrounded by their enemies, you know? And yet, because of the grace of God, you know, we look at it, you know, in the natural and see this iron dome that they put. That is the most incredible thing. If you've seen any of the video at all, their enemies are lobbing these rockets on top of them. And, and I tell you what, this thing is just taking care of all of it. It's amazing to me how God loves those people and is going to take care of them. You know, the devil's not having the last laugh in this deal. Are you listening to me? So anyway, let's go on reading because I want to bring this thing to a close. Uh <clears throat> Upon the earth, distress of nations with perplexity, the sea and the waves roaring, men's hearts failing them, and for looking after those things that are coming on the earth, the powers of heaven be shaken. Verse 27. And then they are going to see. I said, and then they are going to see. And then they are going to see. Hallelujah. Glory be to God forevermore. Hallelujah. Guy could just shout. The Son of Man coming in, the, in a cloud with power and great glory. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up, lift up your heads, because your redemption is on its way. Hallelujah. Amen. He spoke a parable about the fig trees, and he says, uh, so likewise in 31, when you see these things come to pass, know that the, know, I want you to know that the kingdom of God is at hand. Hallelujah. He said, this generation shall not pass away until all of this is fulfilled. Heaven and earth is going to pass away, but my words will not. So take heed to yourselves, lest at any time your hearts be overcharged with overindulgence, surfeiting, and drunkenness in the cares of this life, 
And that day, I guarantee you, if you're coming to this church, you will never, ever know or not know that that day is coming. He said, I want you to take heed and make sure that it doesn't happen to you that this day comes upon you unaware. And if you're coming to this church, I'm going to make sure to let you know he's coming. Are you listening to me? Praise God. We're not going to, you know, but, but he talked about, and the thing in that is, is the cares of this life. If you get consumed and taken up with all the stuff that's going on in the world, it'll destroy you. That's all there is to it. But you know, there's another life that belongs to the child of God in Christ Jesus. That's where he wants you to live. So my friends, let's do it. Praise God. Let's rejoice. Let's celebrate one another in our lives that we have in one another and our children and our families and our, our friends. Let's do life. Let's enjoy the blessing of God, you know, and let's look to him. Because I tell you what, there ain't no human being that's going to fix this mess. Okay. Say what you want. You know, people are hanging their hat on, on some individual. There's only one individual. And he's the one that's going to take care of everything. Amen? All right, enough's enough. Let's all stand. Praise God. Glory to God. Linda, where are you at? a girl. Praise God. Now, here's what I want to do. You know, it's not enough for me to stand up here for 45, 50 minutes or however long it's been, maybe an hour. Yeah, anyway, and just talk about all this. You know, we, we need to commit ourselves to the way in which Jesus would have us to live. Amen? And maybe, you know, and, and again, you know, I mean, there is a lot of things going on and maybe you're concerned, but I'm telling you what, God wants you to take your care and cast it on to him you were never created to bear it in the first place well what about this what about that what about the other well let's talk to him about the whatabouts and let's ask him what it is he wants to do to fix it because he will okay so let's just bow our heads together here for a moment hallelujah father we look to you this morning and God, we are so ever grateful for what it is that you've done in our lives to make us who we are. And Father God, I thank you that our lives are hidden in you, in Christ. And Father God, I come before you, not only for those that are here within the sanctuary, but also those that are watching by internet, Father, in their homes or in their cars or wherever they might be. And God, we wanna to commit to you right now, our lives, and our hearts and, and, and our energy in life, we wanna commit it to you. Father, help us to give shape to the things that are important to you and not to this world or even ourselves, but Father, help us to be about your business in these last days. Help us to care about the lost and the dying and those that are hurting. And Father, those that are in need, real need, and Father God, I thank you for using the church. Lead us into the paths of those people who desire to know the truth. And I wanna thank you, Father God, for helping us to do that. I want you to pray this prayer with me. Say this, say, Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you for your love 
and I thank you for your care toward me. And so, Lord, I cast all my care onto you. You said in your word, I do not have a spirit of fear. So I resist the temptation to be afraid. And I thank you, Lord, for coming to my aid, bringing comfort and peace, and blessing my situation. Father, we pray for the church right now. We lift it up to you, God. Let it be a bright and a shining light. Let it be the salt of the earth as you said it was. Father, help us to be people, Father, that are confident in you, that we're strong in the Lord and in the power of your might. Father God, I want to thank you, Lord God, for using these men and women and their families as a witness to the world that is around us. When everything, Father, is coming unraveled, I want to thank you, Lord, that you'll use them to bring people into the family of God as a witness to the resurrection power of Jesus Christ. And I thank you, Lord God, that in these days, weeks, and months ahead, that we'll have great reason to rejoice. Praise God, we'll see more and more people that come into the family of God and are born of the Spirit of God, hallelujah, and take on the very life of God. We thank you, Lord, for your mercy and goodness upon the church, and Father God, for everyone that is in it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. You guys have been a wonderful audience this morning. Good listeners.